episode three. Welcome to What the Football. My name's Shaban, and today we are joined by Scottish internationalist and Glasgow City player Leanne Crichton. Hello. Hello there. How are, How you? are you? Oh, I'm fab, thank you. What's quite interesting about the timing of this today is that in a couple of days you get, well, in fact, tomorrow yep. you head off to San Sebastian. <laughs> Um, Very nice. For a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was a holiday. How are you feeling for it? It's a huge Champions League game. How are Glasgow City ready or preparing for this? Yeah, it is. It's huge. Um, I feel like prepare's even a bit overrated just now because you probably couldn't feel any more ill-prepared in the sense that right. we've only been back for five weeks. Um, we've had two friendly matches two weeks of that training was socially distanced so we kind of feel a bit all over the place in the sense that nothing feels the way it should feel heading into a match this big um if we were playing them back in march it would have been in season there would have been a lot of hype you would have had a full pre-season etc etc so anyway it's here now mm. we're traveling tomorrow i think once we get the stress and the anxiety of the thought of traveling because i th- think that's a bit that folk are still overcoming. Um, once we get there tomorrow, we get to the flight, we get on that plane, and we know we're on our way. I think we'll really start to focus on the fact that the game is so soon, but for so long it's just felt like it's so far away. Um, but it's nice because we all want to play competitive games. That's what we've been missing, and the thought that that's back. The task against Wolfsburg is going to be phenomenal. Um, mm. We're the complete underdogs. We know that, but that's the beauty of the Champions League and been a team from Scotland that you, you just need to embrace that. Absolutely. I mean you never know. You just you, <laughs> you never don't, know. you don't. I know. People keep saying that. Um which absolutely there's no game of football that you set out thinking negatively in the sense that you'll get beat or, you know, once that whistle goes and, and the match starts, you're all in one hundred percent. You give everything that you've got and, and ultimately that's what we'll need to do. And we were just chatting there before we started recording in a couple a couple of years ago you guys were in a similar position playing a massive German team. Yeah didn't go too well did it no it didn't Glasgow City I think that was one of their first years um in the Champions League and that was before there was any sort of stature in terms of the women's game in Scotland so that was over two legs it was against Turbina Potsdam and I think in aggregate it was 17-0 so you you've got matches like that in the back of your head that you know ultimately there's other nations that are you know much further ahead than we are um Wolfsburg have got an advantage in the sense that they've been back playing they were able to complete their season um so they've had a lot more training and contact time Germany were slightly ahead of the curve um in terms of the coronavirus and where they were at so that might play um a factor but ultimately it's 90 minutes of football you know like if you're fearing 90 minutes of football, then you, you probably shouldn't be a footballer. <laughs> <laughs> that's just how it is. And I hate to sound like your old ma here, but <laughs> you've just got to enjoy yourself. You have, I know, I know. And that is, especially like my age, and that does sound like, you know, you're really old and you start to sound like what how people... How old are you now, Leanne? I've just turned 33. So okay. in terms of football, I'm, I'm getting towards the, the right. tail end of my career where that's also nice because these experiences don't come along very often. Um, I remember in 2015 when Glasgow City last qualified for the quarterfinals, I had left the club maybe just a month or so before and I remember at that time probably not totally appreciating what that achievement meant and getting to that stage and it was always a regret when I came away from the club and I looked back and I always thought I would never get there again and now obviously this year we've managed to achieve that again and it's 
probably adding on like the five or six years that that's been I'm now trying to say to people listen like, appreciate the moment like this might never happen again and especially mm. the golf and football now where there's so much money and there's so much investment at certain levels of the game there's no guarantee um, and it's going to become more difficult especially for Scottish clubs to ever achieve that mm. um, so we literally do need to enjoy the moment and I think the last six months has shown us all that that life's far too short for sure for sure and you've mentioned a couple of things there in, in speaking that I really want to know from you, your honest opinions. Uh, let's start with the stature of women's football in yeah. Scotland. Is it there? Is it only going one way? Is there still a lot more to do? I think, I would say it's in limbo, in mm. the sense that we've taken it so far. Um, we've, in looking at the international setup, we've qualified for now two major tournaments, and that was always the aim for probably the last 15 years in the time that I've played. It was always can we get to a major tournament? Once we got there, can we get to the next one? Um, and that's been achieved. Now you've got Glasgow City that have, have went this far. But I think we're at that stage now where this isn't enough and it's not enough to sustain. Um, the next step, I think, is, is going to be the most crucial. So what will the level of investment be? What will the job security be for players now that clubs have invested and they've invested well particularly in the last 18 months it's probably been the most that there's ever been but I think there's no guarantee with that mm. and I think we've got so much investment now at grassroots where the numbers are as huge as they've ever been but there has to be an outcome it's like I always think of it if you were saying to somebody you know that was leaving school going to this college course going to this university course but by the way there's no jobs at yeah. the end of it would you really buy in 100% and give everything that you've got? Um, and that level of income has to be enough now that players cannot do what my generation of player done, where we work 40, 50 hours a week, mm. we train six sessions a week, we give up our entire weekend for... Do you know what I mean? Like there's, there's no balance with that. So I think it's really important now that there's probably a bit of reflection about how far we've come in the last decade um, and how we really invest and, and keep it where it is. Do you think there's kind of sexist undertones in, in these conversations? Like the men never really ever had that battle, you know, mm -hmm. okay, maybe in the last how many years men's football and the money that goes into mm -hmm. it is just off the scale. Really, with the money they're making, there should be no poverty in the world. Yeah. Um, and the women, I get that it's a completely different league, mm -hmm. um, and the women are still trying to hold down jobs, you know, Think about things like families yeah. and still try and push for these professional contracts, you know. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's, there, you know, is it equal yet? No, I don't think it's equal, but I also think now there's a level of inequality within the women's game itself, which that could also be alarming because I think is probably 5% of women's teams take off, even if you look at it across the UK just now. There's not that many that are self-sufficient that generate their own income, that mm. don't depend on a source of income from the men's game. And that's quite alarming because that then means that you put your everything into someone else's decision. All it takes is a change in a chairman, chairwoman, chairperson, uh, infrastructure at a club to change where they then decide that the women's game is not as important as it once was. So I think that inequality in the women's game, people need to be mindful of that gulf because otherwise you're going to lose the competitiveness within the game. Um, I think there's bits that we can do better in understanding the women's game because the people that are in the women's game are different to the men's game, like the family thing. That's not really ever a consideration. 
how do you plan to have a child if you're a player that plays and you're on a one-year rolling contract? There's no job security, there's no maternity pay, there's no support in terms of your mental health or your physical health, do you know what I mean? It's like you either sacrifice football or family, mm -hmm. there's no balance. Mm -hmm. um, unless perhaps you're at that very top end of the game where you've got a really good salary and you're at a huge club, perhaps there's better guarantees there. But I think we do need to do more in understanding the people and actually making it a realistic life choice. For sure. And are these conversations uh, you and like players would have, you know, right now or that you might have had with players in the past, you know, oh, I would like to start a family, but I can't because of this contract. Who do you go and speak to in those mm -hmm. circumstances? And is it well received? I've, I don't know anyone who's ever actually had to go and really have that conversation right. because I think it, it's at that level where people assume or make the assumption that there's no, there is no choice. Or there would be no balance so it, it's almost there's not really been an example of someone who has really been able to do that there's probably I would say a handful of females across the women's game that I know that have went and had children and come back to play mm. like that's incredible when you think about the participation level you know yeah. and I don't think that's for the want of not wanting a family mm -hmm. I think that's mainly because there is no choice there there's no balance there um i have discussions now with players because we're all at an age where that's a thought process that you know we would be having and you know <laughs> you know this age forever so it is a thought um but there's nothing really i would say that out with your own team or your own group of friends that it would be conversations that would be had so it's kind of unfair it's kind of well it's just assuming that well that's it you just want to play football you know, yeah. because you're in this position, you know, or yeah. you're, you know, doing w well enough for uh -huh. football kind of thing. Yeah. But like you say, you know, you are 33 now. It's mm -hmm. not as if you're, you know, but it is a prime age to maybe think I might start having a family. Mm -hmm. So is that why you're thinking, you know, you're coming to the end of your career? And should that have to, should you have to feel that way? I know, I know. But, well, that's the thing. And I've always spoke of that. If you're thinking about having a family, it should never be that you're thinking of ending yeah. your football career. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a scary thought because especially now when you speak a lot about mental health and people mm. and how they deal with things and change and identity, being a footballer is like my identity if we speak about me. So the choice I'm being given is basically if you want to have a family, you kind of would need to sacrifice one or the other. Yeah. Um, but for me, I just take it as it comes. Life is life. Like, you need to enjoy the moment. There's no guarantees in anything. Football is one of them. Families and other your health, everything else. Um, you, we need to do more. I think my generation again. There's conversations that have been had in terms of speaking now to the PFA in Scotland. I've had the experience of the PFA in England, which I think are fantastic and they do a really good job. I think they've done lots more in recent years with the women's side of the game down there. There's lots of support. Um, literally, if you need anything, you pick up the phone and they'll direct you somewhere. Um, in Scotland, we're trying to get the same thing in place with PFA Scotland. There is, at this moment in time, no female membership, but that's what we've been heavily involved in talks over the last couple of months. Me and a kind of leadership group of players that were, were trying to get that membership because just to have a contact if you're at a club where you don't really feel not not supported or not enabled but literally if there's a question that you don't know and you don't feel it's the right question to ask your club or your peers just to have a, a contact that you can phone and speak to somebody ask for yeah. advice um there needs to be more okay. you know there has to be more support there and that's what we're really trying to do and hopefully 
when I leave the game, I'll have left the game in a better place than, than it was. Do you feel that's your responsibility? Are you focusing that your mind on things like that now, setting up a kind of better, mm-hmm. um, what's the word, better structure for younger women now yeah because I think it's not enough like that's we've brought the game so far and if if all those players that have worked tirelessly over the years and that have sacrificed the amount that they've sacrificed and I I don't mean that as in football over life I just mean time and energy and commitment um to doing things that probably shouldn't have been their remit for for a number of years like we've done a lot of things that there should have been people in positions and roles that were doing that for us, the same way you see in the men's game. Um, if we all just walk away and, and we leave the game where it was, nobody will learn. No one will have a really true understanding of, of where the game's come from. And that's, I think, where I feel kind of grounded in the sense that I understand what went before me in football. And I've been lucky enough that my career's lasted as long that I came in at a point where we trained once a week and... You went to the pub after the game on a Sunday, <laughs> um, like, and everybody had a bit of banter, and there was nothing too serious about it. You pieced together tracksuits if you were going to be in a, an away game, or everybody took cars and travelled. There was n- nothing yeah. fancy about it. Now I've kind of come through every stage of the game where mm. I've now experienced the really top end of the game and the luxury side of it. But that you have to have a balance between knowing that, that that's where the game once was, I think, to really keep the, the value and the love that the women's game's actually got just now. Absolutely. And I think, I don't know if you realise how much passion is coming through with you talking about all these all things right. at the moment. <laughs> Very passionate about it. Talk to me about your career, the high highlight of your career so far. Um, I don't know if there's really one that I can pinpoint because I, I am... T- seriously at that age where you start to look at loads of things now and you go oh god I wish I had appreciated that moment a bit more I wish I had lived in that moment a bit more because when you're there in like any job you you kind of just roll with it and you go with it and you never really think about the achievement Mm -hmm. uh, until you step away from it but I think speaking about that where the women's games come from um for me the, the pinnacle of my club career I have achieved so much at Glasgow City and I think going away and having the experiences that I had in England, then the way that that ended, Winnots County kind of been liquidated and yeah. we lost our jobs and it was it could have been a really terrible time, but it wasn't because mm. I came back home, Glasgow City kind of loved me and brought me back. And this last year, in terms of doing the double with Glasgow City and getting to the quarterfinals, I think in club football, there hasn't been a season that I've worked as hard as I've, I've had to work. With probably the amount of change that was at the club, like losing players, um, everything just kind of still managed to come together. So I really loved last season. But the World Cup and the Euros has got to be up there with, with the kind of moments. Mainly because I think those are two moments where Scotland stood still and actually recognised women's football. And I think that speaks more than than anything could could ever. I remember that myself and I remember thinking, oh my God, how proud to be Scottish and actually to know some of these footballers. Mm -hmm. And like, I mean, the point of this podcast is me not knowing anything about football, but knowing a lot of women's footballers through my sister over so many years, you know, Mm -hmm. like 16 to 18 years. I think you guys need more people just, you know, speaking the good things and letting people know everything else that you guys have to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's not just as simple as, you know, Women always feel like now we have to work harder to mm. get this appreciation. Yeah. And I think women's football are now starting to get, you know, in there. And 
I think so many more fans want to now know more about you guys as well. Mm -hmm. And um, you're doing that as well. You and Rachel Corsley have your own podcast and you're getting to know players, you know, behind the goals, which is the name of the podcast. How much are you enjoying doing that? And do you think you'll want to kind of keep pushing the women's game forward by doing media things like this? Yeah, I think, like for me, like you're saying, there's so many players that have kind of came and went as well over that, you know, 15, 16 years. And when I step foot on the park now, even at, like the World Cup or at the Euros, for me, I don't step on the pitch and go, wow, look at me, like, I'm I'm here. Like, without all those other people, I would never have got to where I got to. Mm. So there's players that would have missed out and wouldn't have made the squad. There would have been players that missed out through injury that weren't there. There was friends that have had to retire because of work commitments. Or f so you know that you're really lucky because you're in that moment and there's so many people that wanted and tried so hard to, to be in that moment. So you really need to value it when you're there. Um, and I think now you learn from that and there's bits that you can do that really add more value to us as, as people and individuals and footballers. And with the podcast, it's great because, one, I love to talk. Um, Corsi <laughs> loves to talk as well. Um, but there's so many interesting characters and stories, um, passion and commitment and dedication that I just think people don't even know a fraction mm. of women's football. Can, people can you share some of those stories with me now? You people know, some think, stories that made you go... Oh, people okay. think they know it, but even like the last episode we we um, we had was with Jane Ross and she grew up in the Isle of Butte. And yeah. like speaking to Jane, who anybody that knows Jane Ross in football, she's such a kind of quiet, humble, hard-working, polite person. Hard -working, really person. I, and she came from that background where every weekend our dad would take her over in the boat they would st they would have to stay over in Glasgow um, there'd be sometimes they would miss the boat to get back home because mm -hmm. training had ran on and you're thinking like, that's all good and well but when you really start to put that into you know like and process it for a 13, 14 year old that's coming from school straight home straight on a boat like there's no consistency there's yeah. there's no there's no point where you ever relax and switch off you're, you're always thinking about the next thing mm -hmm. um and there's just you know funny stories when you look at players like Erin Cuthbert and you listen to Erin speaking who she's an absolute superstar in the women's game yeah um but she's just literally like the wee lassie from Ayrshire <laughs> who when you speak to her you would never think um that she's got the stature in, in mm. football in terms of what she has because she is genuinely so grounded and so lovely. Um, and she has a fine balance to strike between being a superstar and, and being Scottish because I think mm. being Scottish, you don't get away with being too much of a superstar. We're fairly good at keeping each other grounded yep. and in check. And yep. if there's moments where you see your friends getting a wee bit ahead of themselves, we're, we're no slow. You off, oh, aye, aye, you're getting <laughs> slaughtered. You yeah. know? So um, listening to the girls speaking and their stories and, you know, their, the way they see it, the way they see the game, you know, because I think I see it one way. You've not got a clue about football, as you say. What do you mean? But you might see it differently, <laughs> and then you know your sister would see it her way. Yeah. And I just think once you start to pull all that together, like you get a real insight mm. into what your what it's all about. Because the football is one part of it, um, but the people are the bigger part of it, and I find that just intriguing. It's that whole cheesy saying: people make Glasgow, but we also tear uh -huh. it up on a Friday night. Uh <laughs> um, talking about those stories, what would be the best laugh that you've had? 
you know, with uh, a group of players who was involved because <laughs> I do think I know some naughty stories that probably can't be mentioned uh, about so many players from over the years. Uh, I think I might have witnessed one or two myself. I know. But the biggest laugh that you still think, my God, you know, there's one get away with that now. To be fair, it's your sister, which is not a surprise. But mm. I remember that the year that we were at Glasgow City together and a champ. I mean, it's, to anybody else, it's probably not even that funny, but you know, just <laughs> in that moment, you just think, honestly like what was going on but uh, I don't we were it was a Champions League game it was the day of the game uh, it was pre-match and we're all just the usual sitting on the tables like slaughtering one another not really probably taking it seriously that we've got a Champions League game in like four hours time or normally it would be like a deathly silence and folk would be like in the zone or whatever um, and we were just all carrying on and then Russia just gave me the nod like across the table and she's just literally thrown herself like backwards off her chair <laughs> but like the whole room just like it was like a step too far but I yeah. just remember Eddie Vilecki Black who was like head coach at the time absolutely furious but mm. we just laughed because we were like we genuinely never took ourselves too seriously it was yeah. never like oh you better not do that we better just sit here and you know, you don't want to feel that like you're at school, but there was just loads of carry on, loads of shenanigans. Russia still um, says things like, "See if I can go back to school." What a laugh! I know. Like, who's, I who know. says Nobody's that? Nobody's wanting you know. back to school. I think it? now, um, yeah, she's starting to get the head on the shoulders that she should have had uh-huh. ten years. But listen, ago. I love that because again, I listen to loads of football and podcasts. When you listen to ex-players like in the men's game as well, the one thing that people say that is getting knocked out of the game is having characters in the yeah, game. Where yeah. everybody comes really robotic and probably, in a sense, too serious at one end it, just because now you, you do treat it as a job where you turn up, you're really focused, you've worked so hard to get there, it's your time in the day where you know you need to put in everything that you've got. And sometimes you come away going... That, what was different from that session for yesterday because it becomes very mundane and very samey and everybody does the same things whereas you need to laugh you need to have fun and you need to have characters that you're at times having to rein in a wee bit otherwise yeah. there's no freedom yeah. within sport do you know and I, I think that's a bit that we're possibly going to lose if we're not too careful because you yeah. do need to have fun at the end yeah. of the day as much as it's your job now and it's it's really, you know, getting to a very good level. Mm. You need to have fun, otherwise, you know, nobody enjoys their job. It's a, it's a very good point. I mean, you're working hard to be seen as professionals, so does that strip the fun out sometimes? You know, you're right, you have uh-huh. to have those days where you can have a laugh kind yeah. of thing, and it is the exact same in any job. Exactly. Um, what about your future moving forward? I mean, I feel that you've still got so much more to give on the pitch. What else would you like to achieve in your career and uh, in your life? Um, well, just now the media stuff's been really good. Um, off the pitch, that was I almost fell into that, like yeah. literally. Um, and the opportunities that have, have come with it have been refreshing in the sense that one, it gives me the total fear because it's absolutely alien to me, mm. and I've had to learn so much so quickly. But with the same, in the same breath, I've met so many interesting people that have shown me another side to life where you almost can embrace sport but you don't have the same pressure of performance in sport. Um, So I found that just in terms of using brain power over Mm -hmm. the last couple of years, you know, really insightful. And it's given me a real drive and a real passion for that. So I hope that, you know, over the next couple of years that those opportunities will will remain and I'll keep working hard at improving and trying to upskill myself within that environment. And I think as footballers and sports people in general, we're very self-critical 
we don't need anybody to tell us that we've had a bad game. And I think that's the same even in, in a work environment where you're always thinking about what you can do to become better or was it enough? You need feedback. You need to know that you've done okay. Um, that whole cliche of like no feedback is good feedback. It just doesn't wash with me. Like you need, you need to know at times. <laughs> or was I terrible? Because yeah. otherwise I'm not going to know. Yeah. Um, so I work hard at that. I've still been studying. Um, I'm in the process of trying to transfer my degree. So I'll keep working away at that. What's your degree in? Um, well, I was studying health and social care um, simply because I wanted a, a completely different out from football um, and everything that I knew. I've been a personal trainer for a number of years. I've got my own business. But I thought, what if at the point you retire, you absolutely hate everything like mm. that? Um, so there's been loads of aspects of that. And going back to the mental health stuff, I've covered loads of modules that are on that, which has upskilled me in football and being a better person at football and having a better understanding. Um, but I'm going to put that on hold just now and transfer my degree to professional sports writing and broadcasting Um, just because I want to give myself the best chance that I've got within this environment to learn I might never be good at it I might never be great at it but I think whatever happens over the next couple of years I'll learn either way and luckily I'm in a position that I can do that and I can afford the time um, to give it my all so we'll see how it goes the the stuff as I say with the BBC the radio work that I've been doing um, has been fab so hopefully there's there's a future in that and, and if not it'll be back to the drawing board and, and use one of the other doors that I've, I've managed to open up throughout my career. Well I think that's good advice to give so many players and, and everyone just having fingers and other pies as they say is good and I, I do actually think you're going to have a career in, in media as well oh, because God. I've kind of been about um, <laughs> but yeah you've just you know what you're doing and um, and you talk very well there's a lot of passion kind of thing and I haven't spoken to you in many years but even yeah. from the second you met you're just passionate oh, about what you talk about so you. You keep doing you. Um, good luck for the Champions League later this week. We'll need it. Thank and uh, hopefully we can revisit and catch up soon. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks so much.